Hey, Coffee Breakers. This is just a warning to let you know that this episode contains adult content and may be disturbing to some listeners. Please take caution and listener discretion is advised. Hey, Coffee Breakers, it's AC and Scully, and we are with you today for Word or Wednesday. I say, Word or Wednesday. <laughs> yes, and please forgive us in advance. We've both been kind of under the weather this week, yeah. and we might sound a little not well. You but may hear coughing and sniffling, but yes, we are here. And clearing up the throats, yeah. but we are here to record for you because we love you. Yes. So here we go. Scully's jumping into this one. Yes. So this is... Oh, and... By the way, AC knows absolutely nothing. Yes, and purposefully. Like, I've literally, usually I discuss some parts of these cases with her, not this one, because I want her to follow along and be like, who did it? And so I'm on this ride with you. Yes. All right, so we're going to jump right in. This is from Max. It's Mother May I Murder. It is Suburban Psycho, is the name of the episode. Okay. I know. I didn't, I didn't know that till just now that that was the name of the episode, but. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> On March 25th, 2009, police in Grovetown, Georgia, population about 15,000, received a call from Mitchell Kozar, a handyman for Kay Parsons. That is the call we heard when we first opened. I want to tell you something about Grovetown, Georgia. According to the Dateline, uh, Secrets on Hot Springs, which I just love that name, <laughs> It this town is like a military town. It is mostly like retired military or active military. There's a base close by. I was going to ask. So there's a lot of military. Um, in reference to crime, there's about one homicide a year. Like, if that. Like, it's very, very low. Very, like, violent crimes are just not something that takes place in Grovetown, Georgia. Gotcha. So that kind of surprised me because even in our small area, there's more than one murder a year. <laughs> like, whatever. We got a county of about 30. Right. And so. we just killing each other down here. <laughs> yes. So Mr. Kozar states that he reported out to the house to complete some work for her, but no one was coming to the door. In the documentary, it makes it like he just went around back. But according, again, to the Dateline episode, he there was the work that needed to be done was on the back door. Mm. So when he couldn't get her, he just like circled around. Maybe she was out back, you know, working on it, fiddling, whatever. Right. Waiting on him. He went around to the back door and noted that the back door was completely smashed in. It doesn't show you this really well on the documentary but i picture like the french doors because that's like a common back door like yeah. all glass yeah all that smashed and kicked in yeah one of those myself most houses do yeah i, I do too actually <laughs> um so yeah he went around so when he was out there he saw the door was completely smashed in he calls law enforcement as you heard they report out and note that the door is smashed and that there's glass broken it's broken out all inside, so it's kicked in, not out. Gotcha. And that the house is in complete disarray. Mattresses are flipped. Drawers are open. There is blood everywhere, as there appears to have been a struggle, like starting from that kicked open door, which I think is like in the kitchen, like down the hall, like in the living room a little bit down the hall, all the way into the garage. They open the garage door, and they find Kay in a pool of her own blood um, on the floor next to her car. They check her, and she has a very faint heartbeat, so they rush her to hospital yeah. to, for, to try to save her. Next to her, they find a bat, like a Little League bat, and a claw hammer. Oh, no. Staff Sergeant Jimmy Edmonds, that's the investigator in this case, mm -hmm. reports that he has never seen someone beaten so badly in his career before. Oh, good. Okay. Kay was a wife, a mother... And she had just taken her son to school and come back home to be brutally beaten. As far as he knew, she had no enemies. Like, sh they didn't know of any enemies. Like, they started asking around. Like, right. it's a small little It's a small neighborhood. area. Yeah. Nobody knew of anybody who would want to hurt Kay. She was a devoted wife, a devoted mother. Like, all Where's she... Where's the husband? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> they were just, you know trying to figure out what happened here right investigators then discover that the house next door has been broken into as well oh no so 
is this random? Was this planned? Like, they go in, they clear that house, and they were expecting to find another body, but thankfully they did not. No one was home. Upon investigating the scene, Staff Sergeant Edmonds locates a small drop of blood on the handle of the back door of the next-door neighbor's house. So Kay's house has been kicked in, and right next to them is the other house that was broken into. And so I'm picturing, like, a subdivision. Yes. It doesn't say that. It... But close enough. Yeah, they're all pretty close. Yeah. yeah. But he finds that one little speck of blood on the back of the door. Um, so that told him that, that Kay was first, mm-hmm. and then they went over to hit that house. So he stated that it felt like, is it personal? Like, that's kind of brazen to go br- brutally beat someone and then go right next door to commit another crime. Yeah. Like, it just, it was. It also sounds like could be drug induced yeah so why this house why these people yeah so Kay and david parsons lived at 229 hot springs drive with their son Derek, who was 12 at the time okay the sears family lived at 227 hot springs drive that is becky and her husband tony um she has two sons becky has two sons from a previous marriage michael and christopher bowers and then According to the documentary, and I did show this to AC because it was tripping me out. It says <laughs> they have five kids in total. This is separate from the original victim, right? We've moved on to a whole different family. Yes, this, this is, is a next door's neighbors. This is the other victims as far as a robbery. Gotcha. Yes, so I'm giving you their background. Okay. So the Sears family is next door, and they have five children. Two of them are from Becky and a previous marriage, and then two of them are with Tony, her current husband, and then it just draws a line to this mystery child. (laughs) I don't know who. We don't. Whatever, but they're all Beckys is what you need to know. Okay. They're all Beckys. These families were instant friends. Yeah. Um, They hung out all the time. Mom had moms. Kay and Becky had a lot in common. Becky gets the call that her house has been broken into and Kay was attacked. She shows up asking about Kay and how she was and like how she was only. She didn't care about her house. She didn't care about anything stolen out of her house. The only concern that she gave detectives was how is Kay? Right. Where is Kay? And ultimately left to go to the hospital to see Kay. Kay's husband, as you asked, was out of town in California. So he immediately verified. Yes. He immediately (laughs) got on a flight to get back to her. Okay. The. Dateline episode I listened to, The Secrets on Hot Springs, which I'm going to reference a lot because there's so many different information. Yes. Documentaries are cliff notes, people. Oh, they make me so mad. Um, the more I look into it, the more I've noticed that, it drives me crazy. But uh, Sergeant Edmond says that he called him and like he tried not to tell him what was going on, but that he kind of figured it out, which I found really odd. Like, how did you figure it out? And he... He goes on to explain later that he always talked to his wife, like, first thing in the morning, and he couldn't get her, and, like, he'd already called around a couple of different people, like, trying to locate her. His anxiety was already heightened. And then it, it triggered me, like, hit me this morning, it didn't trigger me. I was like, oh, well, duh, it's anxiety. He <laughs> went the worst place. Like, yeah. he was hoping that wasn't the case, but that's but where, that's where he went. Was. Yeah. <laughs> Feel you, bro. Yeah. So when David arrives at the hospital. Hold on. Because that's where I always go, too. The same. I was like, ooh, suspicious. suspicious. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'd go to soda jail. Because he'd be like, oh, did you kill him? Is that yeah. why you're concerned? I'm like, no, I have anxiety. Yeah, I have anxiety, and everybody's always dead. Yeah, it always goes to dead. <laughs> I promise I didn't do it. I, but it's not because of me. Right. <laughs> it's because my brain hates me. Yes. So by the time David arrives at the hospital, and this... Like, all her friends know they're all there. They're all around Kay, like, waiting for him to arrive. He gets there, and he's told that she's brain dead and that there's nothing they can do, and he makes the decision to unplug her, and she does succumb to her injuries at that time. So Ellie is still trying—I say Ellie, law enforcement— is still trying to investigate what happened. So they pull in the handyman, obviously, because he was the first one on the scene. And, like, I told you this is my fear of, like, finding something, and then be like, you did it. Because then I'm going to look guilty. <laughs> Whatever. Um, handyman Mitchell Cozart. Listen, do me a favor. If you ever do find a body or something like that, call me next, because I want to go to the police station with you and watch. <laughs> They're like, why'd you call her first? I'd be like, because I'm, I'm about to, like, mediate anxiety. No, you're going to be like, you. watch. You'll know why. Yeah. Just watch her. Yeah. <laughs> start <laughs> questioning. Start questioning. I, I have to mediate, because she's going to lose it. Yeah, she's going to start sweating. Y'all really going to think she did it, and she don't know this person. Yes. Yes. 
Um, so law enforcement calls him in. They want to know, like, have him reiterate the story. He tells them the exact same thing that he said on 911, except this time he stated that he had seen the next door neighbor sitting on a rock across the street and that made him suspicious as to like maybe he was a lookout so when he's in this interview he talks about when he goes to the back door Mm -hmm. and he sees the door kicked in he was like i'm not going in there so he immediately goes back to his truck and gets his cwp because he didn't know if the person was still in that house or he didn't know the situation absolutely right and then when he saw the next door neighbor's kid sitting on the rock like watching the house he was like hold up like is he the lookout for what's going on so when he mentions that to he's a man after our own, our own heart. Anybody yes. else would have like seen that kid and went and thought nothing of it. We'd be like, "What you do?" Right, right. <laughs> so law enforcement was able to determine that the person that he saw sitting on the rock looking at the houses was Becky's son, Michael Bowers. That's her oldest son. Okay. They start to question him. Apparently, it's weird because in the documentary it makes it out like they didn't know he was sitting there, but then they show you video of him sitting there. So. I'm not sure when they exactly questioned him. Like, was some of the detectives at the de- um, department questioning this guy, and they relayed it back to the ones on the scene, and he was still there? I don't know how it played out. Well, I don't know either, but you know neighbors come out if they see, like, law enforcement pull up. But he was watching in the window. But he was out there when Mr. Kozar pulled up. No, I, I see what you're saying. I'm yeah. just saying, like, I don't necessarily think that that's a... Uh, oh, true. You're saying that, that came, he came out at later? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. It. Like, it doesn't... Like, I know people. Well, this is why I say it's weird. Because they start, long, Mr. Edmonds, actually, Sergeant Edmonds, went up to him and asked him why he's sitting there watching the two houses. Edmonds just asked Michael, let me see the bottom of your shoes. And Michael's like, okay, and shows him the bottom of his shoes. And when he does, there is a piece of glass in his shoe that, I guess, matches all the shards in the back door of the Parsons' home. Okay, so he's just not smart. So he's the prime suspect. Absolutely. Like, straight out the gate. 36 hours after Kay's murder, law enforcement receives a call. I got the 911. Somebody came out, somebody came and he shot me. You know where he did it? I, I, my legs. What's the name of the office? It's healing hands, physical therapy. What's the name? Becky Sears. What? Becky got shot? Yes. That's crazy. And something I forgot to mention to you is that Becky and Kay both worked at Healing Hands, the physical therapy place, together. They're right. That's some somewhere that they both had worked for a good little bit. Okay. But so, Becky got shot? Yes. Just coming out of work? Yes. She was working on, according to the Dateline episode, she was working on like the nightly deposit or like nightly payroll. She didn't have any money or anything on her when she was approached and shot. I, 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 I didn't expect it to go that way. Oh, I know. <laughs> so now law enforcement's just like you. Like I literally have. So now Ellie is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> so what's going on with these two families? At this time, one has been beaten to death, and one has just been shot at work. Now, I pick a bone with this because in the documentary, it's like, she's shot. And then in the Dateline episode, it's like, she was shot. She was graced, but she was still hit with a bullet. And I think if I was, I would still say I was shot. But let's just be clear. She was graced. Okay. All right. So, (laughs) I immediately go to Alec Murdoch. Yes, on the side of the road. I got shot in the head, and it's like... No, you didn't. Right. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. It it scratched you. It was in her thigh, like in her leg. But the bullet penetrated her leg. It just, like, grazed her by, yeah. Oh, okay. Like, nothing, no surgery, no nothing, very superficial. But you were shot, so, you You were shot. No, I don't consider that shot. I consider you were shot at. That's kind of how I feel. But they, everybody's like, she was shot. And I'm like, eh. She was shot at. And I have to understand. It was a grazing. (laughs) (laughs) And that the person who did this stated to her that it was a warning and that if they didn't get their money, she, they would shoot her in the face. So, wait a minute. She had a full conversation with this person? They came out, wanted money, and when she didn't have it, apparently, shot her and told her if she didn't get their money, that she, they would shoot her in the face. Oh, okay. What do you look like? Funny enough, she didn't really know. What do you... 
What do you mean? I guess he had a mask. I don't know. She, it never covers it. It just, she never gives a description. Not in any, not in this documentary or the Dateline. Did y'all not ask her? I don't know. There's some things. There's some things. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, home dude, Becky got shot at. Yeah. Threatened to be shot in the face if she didn't give him money. She didn't have money. Right. Why is she still standing? I guess it a, was a warning, like, the next time, like, he was coming back. What does that mean, the I, next time? I guess you I, didn't have it today, so I'll be back Tuesday. I don't know. <laughs> Did you give me a date and a time? Because that's something that I need to tell police. <laughs> I don't know. It was very weird. Yeah. So law enforcement's like, it could still be Michael. So what's important to know is they pull the history for Michael, and they know that he does have a criminal criminal past to include drug use. Um, that he was currently attending a methadone clinic. Yeah. Um, what exactly is methadone? Because they make it out like it's still drugs. It, it is still drugs. So it, it's, I'm not exactly, I can, oh God, I'm not trying to step on anybody's toes, but I know that it kind of simulates the effects of certain narcotic drugs. That's what I thought, but it's supposed to help try to wean you down? Uh, yes. Without wean you down sickness. without the, the deadly withdrawals. Okay. Because some drugs that you try to come off of, like it'll oh, kill yeah. you. Yeah. to come off of you them. you have to be medically taken care of like yeah. yeah and that's what a methadone clinic is supposed to do well they noticed that he was still currently attending a methadone clinic they note a distinct difference between him and his brother christopher see christopher had no criminal history he worked and owned his own house he had his life together whereas michael was kind of like the problem child um, becky had apparently told michael she was tired of him and was going to kick him out so law enforcement pulled him in they're like okay this is our this is our link. They asked him about his drug use, and the last time he had used methadone, he stated that day. They asked him if he knew anything. If if he knew anything, would they t- would he tell them? And Michael was like, absolutely. And Staff Sergeant I don't believe that Staff Sergeant Edmonds gets the call um, that changes the course of the investigation. Forty eight hours later, after Kay Edmonds' murder, so this is another. Another call that comes in, and I'm gonna—I'll give you that in a minute. Uh, but, uh, okay. Yeah, they didn't really get anything from Michael. Okay, so my, Michael's like, I didn't do it. Yeah. When's the last time you used methadone? Today. Would you tell us if you knew something? Yeah. Yeah. They tried to do like you did it, and Michael's like, uh-uh. And they're like, why is that glass in there? And he's like, I don't, I don't know what glass. Like he. He played dumb. He yeah he was just like, he was either legitimately did not know or everything from him was I don't know I will tell you I hate that <laughs> yeah I should have gave more clarification on Michael but it didn't say anything in the documentary in the Dateline episode you get more and mm-hmm. he they actually asked Michael like um, they asked him about the glass again but then they verify his alibi and his alibi is the funniest thing ever because he goes to this guy's house and I don't remember the guy's name but they're talking to the guy. And Matthew Joe, they call him in and they're like, what time did Michael get to your house? And he's like, I don't know. Let's say like 630. And he was there until 827 on the dot. I know because I was watching Angel on the boob tube. (laughs) That's exactly what he says. And I just found it so funny. It just stuck in my brain. And he's like that the entire thing. And they're like, we know you know more. He's like, I don't know nothing. Like, I'm I was watching you- Angel. I was watching David Barenza. Yeah, and he was like, <laughs> I, he's like, I know for a fact because I was watching it and I, I saw it and it was on TV. And um, he's like, I'm giving you my pearls, man. And I will say they did. What do you mean my pearls? I guess he's giving them everything he's got. As long oh, okay. As I don't know. That's, oh, cool. That's a cool euphemism. Yes, yeah. that word. I, it um, was weird, but. Yeah. It makes me think of a Bible verse because I think it says something about uh, your pearls before swine. And I just thought that was funny because cops, but (laughs) I'm not calling them that. But I think that's what he meant because he is definitely eccentric and he partakes in the illegals. (laughs) So I don't think he feels any particular type of way. But anyway, he was I love you so much. (laughs) He he was hilarious. But they did do a what are the things where they put the thing on you? Lie detector. What's it called? Though? Polygraph. Polygraph. That's it. Sorry. I went like, you were not the father. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so funny because you were like, they put the thing on you and you're like, like gesturing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Are you following me? <laughs> yeah, I got and you. he did fail the polygraph. Well, yeah. So they were like, we know, you know. And he almost sounds like he, he's like, he knows something. He, 
the guy says Michael knows something and the cops jump on that and like what you mean you know something he's like no 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 no. he's like you're not getting me caught up in this I don't know he said he knows something or somebody knows something I don't know nothing though like no sir <laughs> it was hilarious because he was very eccentric <laughs> but ultimately that alibi is verified by that man that Michael was with him and well Angel was on Angel was on until 827 at least yeah <laughs> and then he left so Edmonds gets a call, again, 48 hours after all this stuff happens, after talking to Michael, everything. And it's from an inmate, Jerry Jacobs, saying that he wanted to talk to him about the murder that he had seen on the news. Jerry is, according to the documentary, is only in jail for a minor traffic accident, according to the, uh, I thought that was weird, too. I was like, what? What? (laughs) Whatever. The documentary on Dateline. He was in there for like a probation violation. Yeah, so that made probably a lot more driving while intoxicated, or without a license with, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that made a lot more sense to me. So I'm, I was like, "We're well, jail for traffic violation." I know what you do, right? So Edmonds sets it up, and they sit down together. Jerry tells Edmonds, "I think my sister was involved in Kay's death." So family tree time. Jerry Jacobs is the brother of Becky Sears. Oh, the next door neighbor. Oh, so Jerry is saying that he thinks Becky had something to do with Kay's murder? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) He says that Becky came to him one day in the parking lot crying, stating that she was having an affair with David. That is Kay's husband. Okay, thank you for clarifying. Um, Told her brother how Tony didn't do things for her, but David did. Oh, no. And... (laughs) She was upset. Brother states that Becky asked him if he knew if he knew of some way to like kill Kay and make it look like an accident. Like cut your brake lines or stuff like that. So she went to her brother mm-hmm. and was like, Hey, how do I kill somebody and make it look like an accident? How can you kill somebody? Like she wanted her brother to do it. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. And he's like, nah, fam. <laughs> like Literally nah, fam. What's yeah. wrong with you? <laughs> Um, Jerry, I'm already on probation. I ain't trying to go right. to prison. I ain't got no problems with Kay. <laughs> no thanks. Stop sleeping with her husband. Yes. Jerry states that he tried to tell her, you know, he understood that sometimes we all feel that way about people. <laughs> but don't act on it. <laughs> I thought that was funny, too. That, that's probably the realest thing anybody's ever said, though. Yes. <laughs> if we're going to be honest. Yeah, he's like, we all get there, but you that's them them are inside thoughts <laughs> keep them on the inside you don't share that with people but becky stated no we can do this and he again told her no so now law enforcement's like hold up like we knew david was out of town so the probability of him actually doing it, it no he couldn't have done he couldn't. it he wasn't there but was he involved in setting something up Yes. Because he's having this affair with Becky. But is that real, though? Like, that's got to be verified, too, because right. anybody can say anything. Like, if somebody's crazy and delusional or... Yeah. Maybe she thought she was having an affair, but David didn't know nothing about it. Like, you got... Yes. <laughs> you, know, you see what I'm saying? And I'm going to clear something up here. <laughs> in the documentary, it doesn't tell you this, but the Dateline episode does, and I think it's important. So, when you find out about the affair in the documentary, you... To me, and it even talks about Kay being more of a victim because not only has she been, if it is part of this thing, she's been cheated on and now murdered potentially because of that. So Yeah. But in the Dateline episode. Beaten to death. You didn't go slow. Right. right. It's vicious. Yeah. But in the Dateline episode, that affair had already been found out. So what had happened was David and Becky were in a relationship, like all out outside of their marriages. Becky wanted more or wanted it to like become their full time. He did not. He did not want his son's life to change. Gotcha. Because he had a young son in the home. Apparently not enough to keep it in his pants, but that was his thing. And I have issues with him because if you really didn't want your kid's life to change, you 100% could have controlled that. But whatever. He, Becky was wanting more. He breaks it off with Becky. When he breaks it off with Becky, Becky goes and tells her husband, Tony. When she tells her husband, Tony, he picks up the phone and calls Kay. So Tony told Kay. Oh, good grief. Yes. 
and that had been over for a little bit of time but i'm gonna get more into it but it doesn't talk about that in the documentary but I bet at they're all. No, no longer friends no would you be and they'd actually put as soon as it was found out like they were put up a for sale sign like the parsons were leaving like they were not nothing was interacting with them anymore like she actually quit Kate quit healing springs or healing hands because of the affair so she wouldn't have to work with becky yep and they were like bffs like they did weight watchers together they would peek on each other about doing well on weight watchers and like i've lost five pounds i've lost four pounds you know like yeah. trying to make it a competition like they did everything together right so this was a huge hit absolutely but the documentary does not talk about that like Cliff notes seriously but that is like pertinent information to me as it far is. as timeline and stuff well, because it's already been handled. Mm-hmm. Like, the Pearsons were moving on with their family. Yep. David, am I right? Yeah, David had decided to stay with his wife. Kay, yep. Kay had decided to... Stay with him. Stay with him and try to get through it. Yep, and raise their young and son ra- together. Raise their young son together, and they had put their home up for sale. Yes. So, Becky, what was the point of telling her husband... Honestly, if you want me to be real, I think it was like a last-ditch effort. For David. Yeah. So, like, if I tell my husband and just say I'm confessing, I know my husband's going to tell. And then he's going to tell Kate, and then Kate's going to leave you, and then I can have you. My personal opinion. Would agree. Go ahead. So, when they hear about the affair, David had not said anything to them about this affair at all. Right. So they're like, okay, well, you're coming back in. So they bring him back in on 327, and they start to question him. The first thing, they're like, tell us about the affair. And he was like, he drops his head. He states, in the summer of 08, they all started hanging out together, playing tennis and that sort of thing. He claims that one day, Becky just told him the reason she sucked so bad at tennis was because, quote, you distract me out there. I'm like, well. Um, then it turned into phone calls and text messages, and then they started meeting up for sex. They met up. Remember that song that we were talking about, the take them to a hotel, just don't take them to the house or whatever? Yes. Yeah. Mm-mm. Like, this made me so mad. Cause, like, <laughs> you, you take them to the hotel. Because I find out you, mm-mm. I was so mad. Anyway. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> um, anyway. They were meeting up in each other's house. They asked him in the Dateline episode, like, how often they met up. He's like, it was twice in his house, a couple times in her mother's house, and most of the time was in the back of their vehicles. I'm like, y'all just nasty. (laughs) Whatever. Um, In each other's houses, while their spouses were away. Um, It's also important to note that Tony is a, like, long truck driver, like, long haul. So he's out. A lot. A good bit. So Becky really wanted to be with David full time and wanted it to be like tell their spouses everything be over. He realized, David, that this was like crossing a line that he did not want to cross because, like I said, he wanted to keep his family intact while Derek was little. Like, I don't think he the way it portrays on the Dateline episode is like he would be willing if he was like in college or something, but he didn't want to mess up his young adolescence. He wanted his both parents there oh well guess what right right you you didn't blow that up at all yeah so she did not take it well at all on 218 he talks about giving her back a phone and that he was stopping this so i guess he had like another like an extra they phone. Had burner phones they had prepaid phones so they could communicate without their people knowing it which just makes me mad to it like how devious are you right and they're next door and like your wife thinks you're best <laughs> friends like it's so skeevy, like, whatever. I've been saying that a lot this episode, but that's how I feel. Anyway, so law enforcement tells him then, well, we have your phone records, and we know that you talked to Becky on 324 of 09, the night before the murder. Oh. He says he did talk to her. They had a long conversation about nothing in particular. but then That's it, a lie. But then it turned into phone sex. Uh-huh. So... So the affair, in fact, was not over. Apparently not. And at this time, it was supposed to have been over for about like three months, but mm-hmm. they were still meeting up here and there to have conversations. Uh-huh. Yeah, conversations in the biggest quote I can. Right. That's kind of how I felt. That's, again, that's from the Dateline episode. So 62 hours after the murder, they're still not, they're not sure if he's not involved in some way, but just not physically there. Right. Um. 
in the Dateline episode, after they're interviewing him, they walk out of the room, and he's, like, got his hands and his head in his hands, and he's, like, crying, saying, like, no one's going to believe me, and, like, I can't believe this. I'm so sorry, Derek, like, breaks down. And Sergeant Edmonds was like, I don't – I've had many people cry. He said, but I really – I believed him. Like, something – it was a genuine, like, I can't believe this happened. I'm so sorry, Kay. So, ultimately, they believe, like, his hands are clean. They ask him, they ask him all kinds of stuff, and then they they say, is there anything, like, we need to know that you feel, whatever, who knew about this affair, and would Becky go this far to try to get rid of Kay? And in the Dateline episode, it plays you a part, and he's like, for what? Like, and the cop says, desperate people do desperate things, and this man's like, desperate for what? And the officer just screams at him, you, you, like, dummy. Like, you might not have thought it was something, but she, you know, may have felt differently. Right. You know, they made that whole show called You. Yes. Because there's people out there that exist like that. Yes. (coughs) They asked David, did anybody know about the affair? Like, had Becky told you that she told anybody additional? Right. And he says that she had told her son, Chris. The one that's got his life together. Correct. Jerry, the brother, remember? Yeah, forgot about good old Jerry. During his interview, he reveals that Becky would call Chris every night to cry and tell him stuff. He states he was there and that he would ask Chris what was wrong with her, and he would say, you know what's wrong, you know what's up, and he would go David again, and he'd say yes. So at this point, they've cleared David because they don't think he's involved. There's nothing tying Michael, so they've dropped Michael, and they're kind of like, was it Becky? What do we do? And then in the documentary, remember the glass in the shoe? Yeah. Never discusses it again. Oh, okay. Drove me crazy. I literally have, what about the glass? <laughs> like three question marks. Well, yeah, because what literally, what about the glass? That's a piece of forensic evidence. So you can link him to the literal crime scene mm-hmm. by that glass being in his shoe. Yep. Never discuss it again. I will tell you more about it, but I just keep that in mind. So their focus kind of shifts to Christopher. because The son that's got his life together. Mm -hmm. Okay. So maybe, well, she couldn't get, you know, Brother Jerry to go offer, so maybe she can talk Christopher into it. Right. So they start to dive into him and note that the relationship was weird. They said everybody knew he was a mama's boy, but was it more? Because, like, they talked Uh -uh, every... Don't, don't, don't. (laughs) They said he would do whatever it took to please her. As he got older, she would give him money. She actually bought him a car. She actually bought his house. In the Dateline episode, you hear from Michael, and he said that everything that his mother had asked you to do was with stipulations. Like, here's an envelope full of money. I'm going to need something from you later. Here's your car keys. I'm going to need something from you later. Here's your house. I'm I'm probably going to need you for something later. It was like he was never anything just given to you. She a mob boss? I don't know. Um, In the world. They were informed that Becky would give Christopher hydrocodone, oxy, and I think a couple other things. Jerry tells law enforcement that Chris had started taking a lot of Xanax that he got from his mama and that when he was on it, you couldn't do anything with him. Um, Law enforcement starts to think that Becky had Christopher so doped and dependent and just he did genuinely love his mom that he would do anything for her. So on 327, the same day they interviewed... David, they pull in Becky and her son, Chris. Okay. They didn't get far with Chris because they called him out and they said, things aren't adding up the way that you say things are adding up. We know you're lying. Well, they didn't say we know you're lying. They just said things aren't adding up the right way. And Christopher goes, well, you're basically calling me a liar. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, I want a lawyer. And that was the end of his interview. I mean, so Chris ain't plumbed him. No. Becky, however... She was the opposite. I messed up because I made Christopher think that I wanted him to do something that was horrible when I didn't want him to hurt anybody, and I made him think that I did. And he was convinced, and he was helping me. Are you kidding me? So mom immediately outs him. Yeah. So Christopher is in some stuff. Mm -hmm. Is it the truth? 
or is it like to cover her butt? Right. So law enforcement goes on. Um, she goes on to tell law enforcement that early that morning she went to get Chris, picked him up, and brought him back to her house, where he went and hid in a spare bedroom till she left with the rest of the kids, and Kay leaves her house. Outside in our backyard when I left. Well, I don't know where he went. I don't know if he stayed in our backyard until we all left or if he went over there. But I still thought that he would change his mind. And I told him, I was like, Christopher, just stay here and I'll be back in a little while. And he said he was just gonna he was just gonna do what he had to do. I said, You don't have to do anything. I'm gonna go ahead and call BS. I'm sorry, but there's no way that Becky did not know what he intended to do and facilitated it. I'm sorry you went and picked him up and brought him to your house and let him hide in a spare bedroom. Right. Why hide? Right. Like, I thought that was very interesting and telling. Well, yeah, because he hid so the other kids couldn't put him there. That's what it was. Like, absolutely. No, you plotted this with him. You are just as culpable. Yep. In the... Sorry. In the Dateline episode, you actually... She goes on to state that um, she went and got him, that he was saying that he was going to, like, take Kay out, and that she went and got him and was, like, trying to talk him down. Then why didn't you keep him away? That was my exact point. And, like, no one says anything about it in either one of these, like, documentaries. No one's like, well, why did you go get him and bring him closer? Right. Next door. No, that's why you did it. Oh, you yeah. don't go pick up somebody who you're trying to deter from an action that they're about to take and bring them closer to it. To make it easier. And then help him hide. Like, you let him go in the house and hide so that your other children wouldn't see him. Right. What's the purpose of that? Well, the purpose is so he can go murder Kay. Right. Like, that's the whole purpose. And no, you facilitated that. You made sure he wasn't seen. Mm. You knew it and you complied and, and was complicit in it. Agreed. So, like you heard, when she left, he was in the backyard. When, apparently, when they left, he jumped the fence and broke in to... Kay's house and ass- in the back door and assaulted her. Yeah. Okay. It was an implied reason he was going to go to Kay's house to, because to. he was going in his mind to do whatever it took to make me happy. And if that meant hurting, hurting her, then he probably would do that too. But when I, at the same time, I didn't think that he would because he's so sweet. And that's the reason why he would do anything to make me happy. So I don't know if you realize it or not, my mama told on herself right then. Yeah, with the implied reason. Well, the, with the implied reason of he was going to do whatever it took to make me happy. And in his mind, how you know it was in his mind, if you mm-hmm. didn't have the conversation, you knew. Yes. <coughs> she knew exactly what he was going to do. Yeah, 100%. There was apparently some communication between them at some point, too, to stage both residences. But you never get to hear that from Becky or Chris. But law enforcement mentions that, that there apparently had been some kind of Yeah, it was, predetermined. It was predetermined. After the assault and the staging of both houses, he runs away and down a path. So I guess there's like this, the way that it is in my mind is these two houses are together. And then like across the street is like wooded area yeah so like he runs away from the houses down into that and like away mm-hmm. he calls his mom to come and pick him up okay. mm-hmm. he has a backpack with spare clothes yeah so he, he already had knew. that when she came and got him because yeah. remember he doesn't live with her right he um tells calls his mom tells her where he is and that sh- he needs her to come pick him up okay clothes and stuff. I didn't see any blood on his clothes, but he had blood on his, I think he had blood on his face, and I asked him what. And I said, Christopher, please tell me that she is okay. Please tell me that you did not do this. He said, I beat the ever. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't even know what to say about this lady right now that, that you know, what I've always been told is if you can't say nothing nice don't say nothing so i guess that's just where i'm at <laughs> well i have curse words 
Law enforcement felt pretty much the same way. They believe that Becky is the mastermind behind all of this and that she just manipulated Chris. 100%. She supplied him drugs. She And he did loved. her bidding. Yep. Because she did pay his bills. Like, everyone thought he was so put together and everything no, else. No, he's a drug addict. He's a drug addict that she was facilitating. Right. And he knew where... His bread and butter lot. Yep. So he was going to do whatever. They believe that the emotion she showed for him was fake. That yeah. None of that is legit how she feels. She's a narcissist. A hundred percent. I've got another audio clip I'm going to play for you guys real quick. I was so scared for him. I don't know how to protect him. I don't know what to do for him. I don't know. So <laughs> how do you feel? I'm mad. I'm angry. I think that mama played this boy. Not to say that he's not culpable in it, because he did do it. Mm -hmm. And regardless, he should know right from wrong. Right. But he plotted it out with her. She absolutely is the the, the, the reason why he did it. So that little audio clip is preparing you for this next bit. Because, remember, she was shot. Oh, crap. I forgot about that. So they're trying to figure out what happened there. And she's trying to... Explain that to law enforcement now. Hey, here's the thing. Go ahead. All right. Here's my thing. If you knew that your child had participated in this brutal beating of somebody that you claimed was your best friend and you went and picked him up, you knew what was going on. He told you and you essentially let her sit there in her garage floor and bleed out from what I can understand, severe trauma to the head. Yeah, badly beaten. Her friends stated they couldn't identify her. Okay. So it, badly beaten. If you had called 911, you might have saved her. Yep. But you didn't want to save her, did you? Did you, Becky? to shoot me. He was just going to shoot at me to scare me for me to say that somebody chased after me wanting money. So <laughs> I wish people could see your face. I'm glad they can. Uh, so that's you asked yeah. if Chris had shot her. Yes. Apparently it wasn't the intention to actually connect with mom. Just to shoot at her. But just to shoot at her because they felt law enforcement was getting too close. Yeah, so you're trying to obfuscate. But do you want to know the funny part? Yeah. They weren't. Yeah, no. Law enforcement didn't have the slightest. No. Didn't think anything about Chris, would have never been towards Chris, would have never done anything had... He not shot at her. Well, really, had Jerry not come forward and outed her, Right. they would have never... It actually drew more attention to them because they're like, what were these women doing? Like, right. That's initially what they thought. Yeah. It's like, what are they doing yes. that it's causing somebody to target them? Like, what don't we know? Right. And it wouldn't be the first suburban housewife that's got some crazy... <laughs> something going on. Something or another going on. Um, so her and Chris agreed to do this so that it would pull... That they would think of them as victims. Yeah, versus and perpetrators. They arrest Chris and Becky on 327 of 09 and charge them with murder. Yeah. On 422 of 09, they show Becky blowing a kiss and stuff, stuff like that, like saying, I love you and different things like that to Chris in court. Now, mind you, she's just completely thrown him <laughs> under the bus. Yeah, completely. Statement and everything. She's like, you're going to prison, but I love you. Yeah. And blowing kisses. It's so creepy. I know it's her kid, but it's just creepy. I would be like. You throw me under the bus. I don't care who you right, are. I'm, tell, I'm telling them everything you told me. Yeah. But mama or not. <laughs> so both are facing the death penalty. In the documentary at this time, they talk about these two letters that the news was able to get from Becky to Christopher. You get a small excerpt, which basically is like, hey, how are you doing? Not well, I'm sure. I'm sorry. I let you, I let you down. I let us all down. I hope you heard me yesterday when I said I love you. I'm sure Chris, he, so Chris is coming off all the drugs now. Yep. So I'm sure he's thinking a little bit more clear-headed. Yes. And another key point to talk about in this documentary, you meet, they both get really expensive lawyers that are brothers for uh-huh. Becky and for Chris. And they're, I don't remember their names, but they're <laughs> brothers. And one of them had 
the mom and one of them is going to have the son. Yep. They initially, they didn't have any physical evidence. This is just Becky talking. Even at this point, there's no physical evidence tying Christopher to this crime. No, because they probably didn't find the bloody clothes. They, they probably destroyed those. Like In the Dateline episode, they do ask the brother about the hammer, and he says that he has seen that hammer in his sister's home. But it's a hammer. It's a hammer. So I was like, how did it, like, does it have Becky written across it? Right. Like, Becky's hammer, hammer and glitter. Like, right. What? Like, is it hot pink? Like, like, what makes it unique? But right. it doesn't go into that. And to me, I thought that was such a generic. So there's really not anything literally tied. Forensically. Him to this case. It's just Becky talking. Yep. I'm still interested on in how Michael got glass in his shoe. I'm going to, thank you, because that bothered me so much. <laughs> anyway, I'll explain it. Um, so they don't have any physical stuff. But because it's a death penalty case, the both two cases have to be tried separately. On uh, in May of twenty twenty twelve, they are getting ready to go to do the do Chris's trial first. And before the case could go to trial, mom has another bombshell to drop. She mentions um to law enforcement that she has all the forensic evidence that they need. And that it's at her mom's house in a box in the oh, attic. Oh, you hoochie. Yes. Um, when you hear from the... <laughs> oh, okay. Isn't that like a, a different kind of low? That is a different like kind of low. Like she was trying to get her... She's trying to get out. Out. Yeah, she's trying to get out and sell her son. Yeah, and that she just helped her son after the fact. It's still the same. I'm yes. sorry. So they got the ham... They didn't get the hammer. They got all of his buddy clothes with right. case stuff on it. So. Right. 100%. He did it. He did it. She knew about it. She yeah. put him up in her mom's... In her mama's attic. I'd be so mad if I'm grandma. I'm so mad. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so mad. But you hear from his attorney. And, like, at that point, like, they're thinking, okay, this is not going to be that hard to try because they have no physical evidence. Well, then they find out when they get the discovery that there is a five-hour confession, essentially, from Becky. And they're like, a little bit harder. Like, she should have shut up. <laughs> she didn't, but it's okay. And then the attorney... Now we go for it, the, the, the insane plea or well, whatever. They're talking about how they were going to try to work together. And then you, when no. Becky did that, it's like you you ruined it. Like now we have to try these two different ways because you're basically admitting to stuff. He's not admitted to anything. Right. So we have to go our and separate ways. The bloody and then before his trial, they dropped the bloody clothes on him. So like if I'm that brother, I'm pissed that you let your client... Do me dirty and my client dirty. And his lawyer does talk in the documentary and he he gets teary because he even talks about how it's a kid who loved his mama was not well with his own drug use. And she threw him to the wolves and mama fed that drug use. Oh, yeah. She used him 100 percent. Mama should get the death penalty. The son should get life. Yes. Um, Well, yes. I should mention this just because I find it like as a just dessert kind of thing. And I'm not huge pro like death penalty or anything like that. I just think she deserves it more. Yes. Um, jail was not good to her, which I don't know if jail's good to anybody, it, but it was not good to her. Look, if jail is good for anybody, then you just need to stay there. Well, she put on significant weight. <laughs> because High carbs. They showed it. And the best thing that came out of that Dateline episode that I loved, they talked to... A neighbor who says that, you know, her and Becky did Weight Watcher. Becky and Kay did Weight Watchers all the time. And then they cut back to her at the end of this documentary. And they're like, she says, I know why they did Weight Watchers all the time. When she came back out, she looked different. <laughs> she put on a lot of weight. And it's like the sweet southern draw Girl. voice, but it's so mean. Yes. <laughs> so I loved it. Um, That's the southern, like, you know. Yeah, they were also able to find with those buddy clothes all the jewelry that had been taken. They exchanged for her doing that. They did take death pe- the death penalty off the table for <sighs> her. She traded her his life for hers, essentially. With this new evidence, it nailed Christopher because up until that point, <sighs> all they had was his mother's statement that he had done this thing. In light of the evidence, he did plead guilty to murder. murder. Both of them were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. That is mother may I murder, essentially. Okay, well, I'm glad that she's in prison for yep, life. Yeah, they're both in prison. They, Tony and her divorced. Really? Well, you know, some people, but they did divorce. Michael has not been to see his mom. 
David and Derek. David actually remarried and lives in a whole different area with his son, Derek. I worry about Derek. Yeah. Because that... He was 12. He was 12. And Kay, and that was her light. Like, mm-hmm. her her light was her son. Mm-hmm. And you took that. Not only did you take her life, but you doing this extra stuff cost her that, too. Yeah. So she doesn't get to see him. And I, I just don't see a, a child doing well knowing my mama's not around because daddy was out here sleeping with the neighbor. Right. But. Got to feel a certain kind of way. You would think. But, yeah. Well, this is another one of those scully worders. <laughs> I love them. Um, I just, this one blew my mind. Yeah. I'm still mad. I'll, I'll think of all this stuff later to say. <laughs> the glass. Oh, yes. Okay, so it doesn't tell you in the documentary at all. It's just like it never happened. Right. In the Dateline, the Secrets on Hot Springs, they tell you that what had actually happened is when the neighbor, when the handyman yeah was over there he apparently had brought attention to it michael went with him and they looked at the back door and michael stepped right oh, there and gotcha. got a little bit in his shoe cool but he never had went into the house he didn't know right and the weapon that was chosen was the hammer it was that and then the bat was an opportunity weapon i was about to say everybody has a bat it was house. Derek's. yeah and he so much worse poor yeah. Derek. they went he big little league player like picked up a bat from his stuff and beat his mom with it but even you went with the hammer like so not only did this child lose his mom but you very much probably took baseball from him yeah because you murdered her with his his bat bat. Mm -hmm. in his home all the way down like she fought all the way down yeah, she was probably trying to get back into the garage to get into the car to leave. Yeah, she was found at her, like the driver's side, yeah. back tire. Like, she was trying. Was she finally succumbed? succumbed. Mm-hmm. But she fought him all through that house and still lost her life. So, mm-hmm. For, to me, the victims here are Kay, her family, and Derek. Yeah. And I, I do feel bad for Becky's children, her younger ones, that I couldn't imagine knowing my mom went to jail for murdering. And not my big brother, too. Yeah, true. Big brother. But I, I just feel Kay's family. I mean, can you imagine being mom and knowing your daughter is dead? Because her cheating husband stepped out. Right. Mm. Yeah. Mm-mm. And I, it just hit me different. And then him being like, I only cared about Derek. Clearly you didn't. At least not enough to really care. Right. Because if your children came first, they would come first. Right. It would be before any set affair. It would be f- before any of that stuff. So. Right. And I promise mm. you, Derek would have rather you divorced his mom than her be murdered by your lover. Right. Because she couldn't let go. Because she wanted it to be something more than what it was. Right. Like you, and even, I think her name's Tamara, the neighbor that lives in that area. She's like, just for sex. You did all of this just to have sex. Like, what's wrong with, with you? you? And I'm, I was like, I like her. I don't even know her, but me and her could be friends. Because I totally agree. I, I agree with you. 100%. But I, I, nah. It, that's all you did it. You, you ruined lives and, for sex. Yeah, and took it lives. Mm-hmm. And ruin your own life, your son's life, all your kids' life, yeah, your husband's life, that little boy's life. And then she still <coughs> stayed with you. On top of you doing this to her, she still made the decision to stay with you in the in the hopes that you were going to be true to your word and not see this person anymore. And, and you're you, emailing her, you're still messaging her, you're still meeting up for five, ten minutes here and there. And you couldn't even do that. And you couldn't even give her that. And then on top of it, she loses her life. Right. And then the mama literally... How are you being Right. (laughs) Just divorce. Well, my whole thing is, what woman? Not me. Yeah. It was like, yeah, my, my previous wife was murdered. So that even then is like, what? And then you find out all the details. Oh, by my lover. I'd be like, no thanks. No thanks. I don't know what you got. Bad juju. <laughs> yeah. Nah. 
Like, I would, uh-uh. I would never trust you. Never. I, every time your phone went, but who's that? I wouldn't even care. Let me see your email. I'd be like, can you leave? Like, Oh, we would be done talking as soon as. As soon as I found out that, like. She was murdered by your, lover. your ex-lover's son. Like, I'm why? Out. Why? Right. But, well, she thought it was more than what, okay, well, how many? No, thank you. Yeah. Nah. Because, looking at the neighbors real hard what you got going on with Karen right like you know and maybe he learned his lesson and maybe he is truly remorseful and regretful I do think he's remorseful now I just don't like this whole play of oh I just I just I was looking out for my son no you weren't no you weren't if you were looking out for your son you'd have kept your butt in your house you wanted your cake and eat it too you did and just, just say, say that. that. Yeah. Just stop saying, like, I cared about my son and I just, I just, no, you didn't because you still kept it going. If you'd, if you'd have told me, like, I messed up, we had an affair for six months, which I still think is, like, a lot. That's, that's a lot. Mm-hmm. And then I, I didn't even tell my, you weren't even going to tell your wife. Right. I had to hear it from the husband. Right. Like, Becky told. And right. I think, she, oh, and I forgot to mention in the Dateline episode, after, it had, I guess it had been done or it was getting close to being done. These weird text messages started coming to Kay's phone hinting at the affair. And he tells law enforcement then like he thought they might have been Becky, but he couldn't say for sure because it came from a different number. But they were all but telling Kay. About that they're still talking. Mm-hmm. And that there's still something there. It was probably Becky. Or 100%. It could be Christopher. I, I, to me, that's more woman. It is. Like, I'm going to tell like, her without telling her. Yeah. Like, I'm going to get you in trouble so that she leaves you and then you don't have options. I'm like, mm, cool, because that's romantic. Right. <laughs> like, Because that's what you want. Somebody's right. trapped with you. Right. You don't, can't get anybody else. Like, yay. Me. No. I don't know. I had so many issues with this. And then I hate that poor Michael was like, you did it, you methadone person. And it's like, he's trying. Like, <laughs> right. leave him alone. Like, he's trying. Right. But the reason that he's probably on methadone is because mama was supplying them with all of them with drugs yep. at least the older ones i don't know about the younger yeah, bought ones bought him a house bought him a car his mama mama gotta be selling too or what you do that's something else i meant to tell you um in the documentary doesn't talk about it in this but in the dateline one they kick christopher when she works at healing hands or healing springs i don't remember the name of it there were some checks missing after he had been coming in there to install some flooring they thought it was him. The manager agreed not to press charges on him because if he never came back. Right. And Becky is like, good, he's never coming back. It's about $800 worth. After all this came out, they actually found fraud from she was embezzling? Becky, like several hundred thousand. But they chose not to move forward with it. Well, she's in there for life. Because she's not and getting And she's that. not going to be able to pay it back. Mm-hmm. So what are you doing? Right. But they found all that out after so that's the fact. So that's where the, come yep, from. all of it. The house, the money, the drugs, everything was coming straight from her. Because she was taking it straight from the business. Yeah, she's not a victim, and I don't feel bad for her whatsoever. No, and I, I'm I glad, think she should have got more. And that's so mean, but I'm glad she got fat. Okay. <laughs> I'm just glad because she seems so vain. Right. In the beginning, and the fact that she can't do anything in prison, there's only so much you have. Right. I'm like, yeah, well. You deserve to be fat. You do. And ugly. Because you were ugly on the inside, so <laughs> yes. your outside should match. Okay, so we're just going to, I'm going to go ahead and clarify this. <laughs> I don't believe that fat people are ugly. No, but she was so vain about it. Yes, that she deserved That to her, it would have been, it will, to her, it would have been ugly. She would have equated it. That's what hurt her. Yes. She would have equated right. weight to beauty. So yeah. if she's overweight, she's no longer beautiful. And I'm like, oh, well, good. Because your inside's ugly, your outside should, should be ugly. Or at least you need to think it is. Because your inside is definitely ugly. Right. Yes. And you sold your kid. Down the road. Like, in hopes that you wouldn't get life. You, they didn't take the, it off the table for him. Right. It was still on the table when she gave them that evidence. Yeah. And so she knew. And that part kills me, too. But this is your son that you love. And he just loves you. Even by your own admission from audio we heard... He loves you so much and would do anything for you and is so sweet. And then you do that to him. Mm. Rot in prison, Becky. Yes. And I feel bad for Chris. I do. I, I do because. It's to, a, a, to a degree. I mean, he still did what he, he still, did. He still did what he did, but he did it under the influence of drugs. Uh-huh. And I'm, my mama's hurt. My mama wants this. Right. And I there's no telling what all freaking 
Well, by Jerry's. Narcissist told him. Well, by Jerry's own admission, she called every single night to cry to Chris. So you're crying to someone who's using, who's not in their right mind, who's not all the way with it, and you're telling him God knows what, probably half of it isn't even true. Right. And you're getting him hyped up. He's already not okay right because you're making him not okay and then you're like here's more xanax you want some hydroconone like i don't know it just blows my mind it blows my mind too be better people yes all right so that's it if you like us rate us and review us we are up to 11 five star ratings on spotify now boop boop are we really yep i haven't checked apple i'm gonna have to look okay but yeah i'm excited um tell us what you think of this one and we'll catch y'all on friday good night bye